There's a conspiracy afoot that's pulling the world into darkness. Information is the new battlefield. Propaganda, disinformation, and media manipulation dominate the minds of the public. Join us on the Dark to Light Show as we remove the head of the snake and expose media censorship, social and cultural engineering, and the unfolding global conspiracy of the New World Order. All right, welcome back to the Dark Delight Show. My name is Josh. Jim Price yes, here as well. Jim will join us here in just a little while. Yep. At first, we're going to do our economic update with Dr. Kirk Elliott. Kirk, what the heck is going on in the world? I see massive inflation. Uh, inflation rate failed to nudge downwards. That's expected last month, remaining an annual record of 6.7%. We're probably about five to six times that, aren't we? Yeah, we, well... Truly, we're probably at official, unofficial inflation, probably more at 15 to 20 percent. So with what we're seeing right now, the, the central banks from around the world are telling us inflation has not been beaten. And, you know, that's, that goes against the narrative of what we're hearing from the Biden administration and others saying, oh, we can pause interest rates. Josh, we can pause interest rates because we're winning the battle against inflation. So just yesterday, Janet Yellen comes out and says, well, we're going to have an interest rate, one more interest rate hike, and then we're going to pause. But her version of pause is different than what people would think it is. Normally when people hear pause, they think, oh, cool, we're winning the war on inflation. But what she said was, then we're going to keep the inflate the interest rates at those high levels you know for the foreseeable future like indefinitely right so so what does that mean it means they're jacking up interest rates like that more that have probably more than doubled over the last year they're going to keep them at that high rate and then just like a tabletop they're not pulling them down they're going to keep them there now what this isn't just a us thing either the european central bank said something even even actually worse than that. Um, they said that they're going to look, so they've got peak interest rates, right, in, in Europe, like the highest that they've ever been. So they said they are going to sustain peak interest rates in Europe. So same thing that Janet Yellen said, meaning raise rates, then just keep them there. So if the economy were really booming and going robust, they could actually start to, to, to lower interest rates, right? And so, but they're not, because inflation is still persisting. They're not able to win this game against inflation. So therefore, this is, this is a big problem. But here's where I think the bigger problem is yet to come, and this is something that nobody's talking about. So, so I know you've been doing this for a long time, Josh, and you remember back to... 2007 through 2009. In 2009, when the markets completely melted down during that crisis, um, what happened to corporations? Bankruptcies across the board, Uh right? So there were tons of corporate bankruptcies then. Well, I think what's going to happen in America in 2024 is a massive amount of corporate bankruptcies like nothing we've ever seen. Because here's the reason why. In 2008, 2009, yeah, that was, that was a bad economy, but interest rates were still low back then. Mm-hmm. Over the last 12 months, interest rates have more than doubled. 
So imagine you're a corporation that has an outstanding loan, and it comes due, right, next year. Well, what happens when you renew it? You're renewing it at a rate that's double what it was before, more than double. So I don't think corporations coming up after COVID, when, what did they do during COVID? They spent all of their rainy day fund. You know, corporations, mom and pop businesses, they're actually strapped for capital because they used everything that they had in savings, their rainy day fund, to actually just get through. So now they have nothing. And so now if, if interest rates um, have to go up on their loans when they come due and they're going to be more than double what they were a year ago, there, there's no option except for them to have to file for bankruptcy. So, so this is where I think in 2024 it's going to be an ugly economic year. But couple it with this. It's an election year. So in an election year, when things are really bad, people tend to vote away their freedoms. I mean, I'm, I'm not even joking. They, they will mm-hmm. tend to vote in anybody who says that they're going to take care of them. And this is where I think we're going to see not just economic malaise and, and corporate bankruptcies and inflationary pressures, but I think people start to vote away their freedoms. Un, unknowingly, they're going to they're gonna vote away their freedoms to anybody who will promise them anything just to get through. So... I agree with you on everything that you said, especially about next year and the economy. Uh, mm-hmm. But going into the election, we typically have that surge mid-year of mm-hmm. the economy uh, on election years. We saw that in 2022. We saw that in 2020. Uh, but I think that there's other dire situations that are occurring right now that might not allow that to happen. Number one is I saw this article about Bank of America. It looks like we're entering another banking crisis. Bank of America was reporting $128 billion net operating loss. Are, are we in trouble with the banks? I would say yes. Um, if Bank of America has that big of a loss, and they're the, they're the recipient of a lot of stimulus money, right? I mean, they're huge. They're one of the largest banks in North America, right? So. So imagine small and medium-sized banks, if they're strapped for capital. And see, here's, here's where the, the policy of, of the Fed, when they changed um, their reserve requirement to zero during COVID, meaning banks don't have to have any money on hand. They can lend out everything to try to stimulate the economy, and they're just hoping and praying that that people aren't going to be drawing a lot of capital out, doing withdrawals, using checks too much, right, because they don't really have it. So, so this is why we've had bank failures so far, because the, the reserve requirement went to zero. Technically, banks didn't have to hold anything back. So when you've got a bad economy like what we're in now, this is how Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank, Silvergate Bank, Credit Suisse, First Republic, why they all went under earlier this year it's because simply they had more withdrawals than they had deposits, and they ran out of capital. So mm-hmm. imagine some of these smaller banks now, and they just changed the reserve requirement under Basel Three to not 10% what it used to be, but they're, they're, they're looking at 30% reserve requirement. Now, you can look at that and say, oh, cool. They're really shoring up the banking system, and you're going to avoid a bunch of bank failures because they're going to have a lot of capital withheld. No, 
That's not really the case. I don't care if they go to 20% or 30%. It's double to triple what it was before. And where are banks going to come up with this capital, Josh? If they're used to zero and you're a billion-dollar bank, where are you going to come up with all these reserves? You're not. You don't have it. So you've got more withdrawals than you have deposits. So they're going to have to basically file for bankruptcy. They no longer are in compliance with federal regulation. So then your Bank of America's, your J.P. Morgan's, your cities are going to be buying out the medium and small banks. So I think you're going to see banks failing, but there's going to be consolidation happening, and you're just going to have a big few massive banks left at the end of it. Oi. And, and I think that that's been the point all along, is to, is to centralize all the private banking power. There's one thing that I've been talking about for a while now, and it's this rug pull on the whole CBDC. They misdirected everybody to believe that Federal Reserves and central banks around the world were going to run the CBDC programs. When they came out with the Bank of International Settlements Unified Ledger Framework, and they started mm-hmm. mentioning privatized digital currencies, I started to see what they were actually doing. we got to remember BlackRock, Goldman Sachs, Bank of America, J.P. Morgan Chase have been buying up massive amounts of residential real estate throughout the United States as well as commercial real estate. This includes condos, apartment buildings, and so forth. We know that during the infrastructure bill in the Biden administration two years ago, they were changing zoning ordinance. Uh, to basically reduce the amount of single-family houses that are being built, but also allow urban neighborhoods to accept uh, Section 8 housing and government-subsidized housing. And if we look at this perfectly, what we're seeing is those same banks are out there creating their own privatized digital tokens to be utilized within their own network of owned businesses. And so with higher inflation, increasing interest rates, Bank loans and mortgages just atrocious in the sense of how much it costs to borrow money. I see places like BlackRock going out there who just bought 250 residential houses in Florida in a whole community, going back and reselling those to the public through their own privatized digital token at 2% interest rate if they adopt the privatized digital token. And inside that community, you're going to find all BlackRock-owned corporations of which you can transact with inside that, tra- that private digital t- currency, which means that we're going to move toward a corporate structure of privatized digital tokenization instead of, instead of a centralized banking structure. It's just the clearance of the transactions would actually clear within the CBDC, and that just be utilized as the interoperability component to a larger-scale privatized framework. Oh, man. I know that was a lot. We'll be right back with more Dark Delight Show right after this. Dark Delight on the WYSL stations. All right. Back to the Dark Delight Show. All right, Kirk, I I know that that was a lot to take in, but this is what I'm seeing as a trend. Uh, I'm seeing kind of this transition away from a centralized world government financial economic system and a more towards a privatized economic system. What are your thoughts? I think you're 100% right. Um, because what, what Citibank just did two weeks ago is, is pretty much exactly that, where 
they unveiled their digital wallet for in their tokenization uh, for institutional clients only. So not necessarily for their consumers, but for the, the companies, right? So, but here's the thing. They didn't give them a choice. Said, mm-hmm. well, we're, we're going rolling out this digital wallet for all of our institutional clients. Here it is. It's like, well, can I opt out? Well, no, you, you can't. Here, this is what we're doing for institutional clients. So they're going to force it down people's throats. And so people are going to actually be leaving banks, going to different ones where their stuff might be more private. A lot of people will believe that these digital wallets and stuff is actually more convenient and more transparent, which it is going to be more convenient, there's no doubt. But the loss of privacy that comes with that is the alarming thing to me. And it's like, so what happens, take it one step further, when J.P. Morgan does the same thing, um, when Wells Fargo does the same thing, when, you know, you start going down, it's like, well, there are no other options now. Everybody's going through this tokenization process, this, their version of, of the Fed Now app, right, where it's this immediate clearing 365 days a year, 24-7. That sounds good, but boy, we don't like the invasion of privacy, but now every bank is doing it. We have no escape. I think that's the logical next step to what you're proposing, which I think is very, not just plausible, but really the way that it's happening is the privatization with their own tokens in this digital currency system is really ultimately going to give people what they think are different options with different banks, but it all goes to the same thing. All goes to a central bank digital currency clearinghouse with the ability to cut you off from buying or selling if your ideology doesn't match up with theirs. That's their own words, <laughs> not ours. That's what they say they're going to do with it. Yeah, and it's quite scary, too, because if the people out there can imagine that the bank that you're using right now transitions to this system and they, you know, even if it's a small hometown bank and they, they still have to take money in from other banks. And so they would have to play this game, but instead of paying your mortgage in dollars, you're paying your mortgage in uh, JP Morgan digital tokens. Yeah. You're getting a 2% interest rate. Well, it's actually nine to 10%. Uh, yeah. You're going to the grocery store and you're, you're paying 20% less because inflation is so high at the regular grocery stores. And these are all owned businesses by J.P. Morgan Chase that are exist within that small community that you're living in now. But the choice and selections that you're going to get into that grocery store are mystery meats, not real food, synthetic foods. Mm-hmm. You're going you're gonna to have to abide by the community policies, which means that everybody's going to have to get vaccinated. This is the whole objective of these 15-minute cities and this aspect of control that they're starting to implement. And if we look at the financial infrastructure that is rolling out right now, this is exactly what they're doing, and it's a scary thing. So I'm urging everybody out there to begin to think about diversification, diversification of assets. Kirk, what are your thoughts on diversification of assets? Well, it really does need to happen. And and we're not talking about normal diversification like you've been beating down everybody's throats for, for decades, right? I'm talking about going from paper and digital assets to a tangible asset. So go into things like silver, go into things like gold that you take delivery of that are not part of this um, unified ledger that you talked about earlier in the show, right? It's not, it's not, 
it doesn't make you a digital slave in their digital world, something that they can cut you off from utilizing with the flip of a switch. See, when you take delivery of physical gold or silver in the form of coins or bars, A, you have them at home. It's out of their system. You can use them for, for barter if need be, right? So it almost acts like a de facto currency in a worst-case scenario. But, but don't look at it like zombie apocalypse. This is why I'm doing it. Look at it as this is actually a really good and safe investment, something that has low supply, high demand, and that's why we invest into anything. It's economics 101. Low supply, high demand causes prices to go up. That's what we're seeing in the metals markets right now is exactly that scenario playing out. So I'm urging everybody there to go out there, diversify your assets, get some gold and silver in your portfolio, whether it's through an IRA or whether it's actually bullion that you're going to keep in your home and you're safe, to go out there and diversify. Now, Kirk, I'm noticing energy prices as well are increasing. We've had various countries in the Middle East engage in conflict. We have a lot of the surrounding countries, which are a lot of the OPEC countries, that are standing up for the Palestinians against the Israelis and the Americans. We've even seen some of them threaten the reduction of production of oil to the West if this continues. Do you think we're heading into an oil crisis? Yeah, I mean, when and for numerous reasons. Number one, during the BRICS meeting, we have to remember what Putin opened up with at that meeting. He said, we're going to de-dollarize the world. It's irreversible, and it's our objective as the BRICS nations. You do that by, by dethroning the U.S. dollars, the petrodollar, and you've got the BRICS nations, which are a massive trading block. It's like almost 70% of the world's population trading back and forth with each other for oil, not in U.S. dollars, but their own currency. That removes the petrodollar status. See, this is how they're playing this game. Now, in addition to that, OPEC is lowering production, which causes prices to go up. And, and then you've got other political consequences, which are the, the Biden administration putting export tariffs on Russian oil. Well, that caused oil to go up $3 a barrel over the weekend, right? So, so you look at what's happening, and, and it's going to be hard for U.S. consumers to actually function in a world where during the, the Israeli-Hamas conflict, day two after that started, research came out that projects oil hitting $150 a barrel because of this conflict. Well, where did it start? My God, it started at 147. It's like, who cares if it goes to 150? It didn't. started at 93. So 93 to a projected 150 is over 50% increase in the price of oil. Imagine what that's going to do to gas at the pumps. I was just in California last week for a, a charity event, and $6.91 an ounce. What's, what's gas, unleaded gas? Refined oil, right? So, mm -hmm. so imagine the price of oil going up 50%. That puts $7 gallon gas in California at over $10 a gallon. That's insanity, and Americans aren't going to be able to cope with those inflationary pressures that are coming from OPEC cutting supply, from Arab-Israeli conflict, from export controls on Russian oil. This is the world that we're entering into in 2024. I think it's going to be oilflation like nothing we've seen in a long, long time. That's 
that's pretty scary because we are headed into winter right now. And with winter, we know that with skyrocketing energy prices, a lot of Americans are going to be struggling. Um, so we have the conflict in the Middle East. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that this conflict is going to expand? Do you think that this is going to be moving into a greater war? Um, yes. The reason I say that is because there's already nations choosing sides, right? Zelensky in Ukraine called what Israel did on the Gaza Strip an act of terrorism. You know, and then you've got other countries, like even even United States, you know, Biden, shockingly, said, you know, we've got to wipe Hamas off the face of the planet. Now you've got Brazil. The president of Brazil is actually Hamas-funded. So what are they going to do, right? It's like, boy, you've got countries that are choosing sides. I think this embroils into larger than just an isolated regional conflict in pretty short order. Yeah, I mean, I just saw Joe Biden pledge $100 billion to Ukraine and now even more money to Israel. Are they trying to bankrupt the United States? Oh, yeah. I, I think that they are because they have to get rid of the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency. You know, everything we've been talking about, what the BRICS nations want to do, they still have one problem. The U.S. dollar still is the reserve currency, right? So they're doing everything they can do to get the U.S. dollar out of the sandbox so they're the only kids left playing in it. I think it's all happening right underneath our house. Ah, oh, goodness. You know, Kirk... We are about to hit a massive global transition. The economy is going to be in dire strain. I urge people out there to go out there, diversify their assets, get gold and silver. If you have a 401k and you want to learn how to get that into an IRA or just into gold and silver, I want you guys to call Dr. Kirk Elliott, 720-605-3900, or visit getgoldtoday.com. Kirk, thank you so much. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Dark Delight on the WYSL stations. All right, back to the Dark Delight show. Jim Price. Yes, sir. Hello. I heard that you volunteered to, uh, to go to Israel to fight the good fight. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, I tell you what. I will gladly go to battle, but the sad part of it is is that uh, Israel is in fight with a is fighting with a political party, right? I'm just I want to make sure that I'm understanding this correctly. Israel, the country, is going to fight with a political party because of what? Is that what we're doing? Is is that like us fighting the Democrats or something? Like we're, we're fighting ourselves? Isn't that what the Hamas is? Isn't Hamas just a, a political group? Well, yeah, it's a political sect that was created by Israel. And, um, you know, it's the Zionists, which is another political section that was created by the Rothschilds. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So the Rothschilds are really fighting themselves through funding of both sides to produce destabilization within the Middle East of other countries that they don't control. Whoa. So this is self-inflicted torture, and then we're all like... Oh, poor Israel. Right? Is that what we're doing? Well, you know, listen. I mean, when we say Israel people, please understand that uh, we are not talking about the people, the good people. 
the we're not talking about religious people. Jews. Right. We're not talking, we're not talking about, about religion. That. We're talking about the political and the power structures that operate the state of there Israel. This yep. is the, the Zionists that in 1848 were created and started. Uh, the Balfour uh, uh, Declaration in the early 1900s when Britain uh, gifted is uh, the state of Palestine to the, the Rothschilds, of uh, which right. was implemented in 1948 as the state of Israel. This is what we're okay. – if you don't believe me, go out there and check it. Just type in the Balfour Declaration. You can, you can go out there and check it, okay? This, right. this is, I'm not talking out of my butt here. But this is what <laughs> modern-day – this is what modern-day Israel is. And since that point in time in the 1940s, what they've done is they've slowly expanded the state of Israel through warfare by pushing the Palestinians out of a place that they've lived for 1,400 years. And this is why there are such atrocities that are occurring there. Now, this isn't the Israeli people that are doing this. This is the Zionist political state that is right. not close to ever even being Jewish. And I want people to understand that. These people are godless. They are Satanist at the most. And this yeah. is what people like talk about with, you know, the uh, uh, with them being Satanist and Jews being evil and the Jews create everything. They're, you know, Jews create... Uh, rule the world. It's not, we're not talking about the Jewish people. We're not talking about Judaism. We're not talking about the Hebrews. We're talking about these, this political motivation that has risen up. That is a cartel of bankers, robber barons, of globalists, of financial um, uh, strengths that right. have collaborated for a, on a large scale to control and dominate the world. And they disguise themselves as Jews. And yes, they control the political structure in Israel. Yes, they control the political structure in the United States. Right. But they're not Jewish. Is this, is this part of the Kazarian Mafia stuff, too? Is there a tie to that as well? It's in oh, Ukraine. Well, th these are the Khazars. These, these are. Okay. So yeah. when you had the Hisakos kings exile from Egypt, right? These right. were also known as the black magicians or the, the black um, uh, Pharisees priests. Right. They exiled from Egypt and they went into Europe, Eastern Europe predominantly. Um, okay. They spanned out and they basically started, um, they, they started their grift, if you want to look at it like that. Right. Uh, then right. you also have the, uh, the, the Phoenicians, right? These are okay. the same people as the Phoenicians. Uh, you, can, you can directly relate the Hisakos <clears throat> kings and the Phoenicians together. Mm -hmm. where the Phoenicians were their early bankers. They infiltrated the Roman Empire. They infiltrated Rome. They in infiltrated the Vatican. They became the Jesuits, the Black Pope, the Black Vatican, the right. Black Sun. Um, yep. And they've controlled and dominated. There was uh, an event that happened in the 1840s and 50s at the Vatican where the Vatican was actually under attack and on lockdown. And they gained a massive amount of support from what was known as the black nobility within Italy. This is the house of uh, Orsini. This is the house of Colana. Um, right. And these people basically bought in and took over the Holy See during and around that time. Yeah. Um, so, and by the way, Christopher Columbus was actually Christopher Colana. Uh, right. Colana is the, if you know the story between the Orsinis and the Colanas, They've held more cardinals and popes than any other families 
in the history of the world, which is kind of interesting because then you realize it's a political power structure and no longer a religious uh, divine declaration by God. Uh, but right. the story by Shakespeare, Romeo and Juliet, was written about the house of Orsini and the house of Colana. Uh, about the young lovers coming together to collaborate to take over the world. And it was an allegorical metaphor towards this point. Now, Kalana is interesting because yep. this is where we get the word Columbia. Remember, District of Columbia is named after Christopher Columbus? No, it's named after go. Christopher Kalana. And Kalana uh -huh. derives from the word Colum or the dove, the dove being the Holy Spirit or Jesus, which was born in the womb of the Virgin Mary. And if you go to Washington, D.C., you have a roughed up diamond, a square diamond, 10 square miles with one side of it completely roughed up. And it sits mm -hmm. between the two states of Virginia and Maryland. You take the IAF off of Virginia. You take the land off of Maryland. You get Virgin Mary. In the womb of the Virgin Mary is the unperfected diamond of the dove of the Holy Spirit of Jesus being reborn again, of which then you have Rome coming out of that because you have Capitol Line Hill, Capitol Hill. You have the obelisk in the middle, the Washington Monument. And so this is a rebirth of their empire that was once destroyed. Mm -hmm. And these are the rulers of the world. This is why you have what's called the financial devil's triangle, the London, the Vatican, and, and Washington, D.C., which control, rule, and dominate over the world for a very, very long time. Right. Now, what does this mean? Is that the head of this power structure, there's various, what I call the multi-headed hydra, there's various families, bloodlines, um, aristocracy, uh, political elite, and corporate elite that sit at the top of this. Uh, this is mm -hmm. why every single president since George Washington have been at least first or second cousins to the British royal family, including yep. Donald Trump. Um, this is why, you know, we see what's happening right now is they're transitioning into a larger, expansive um, um, control grid on the planet and they have to destroy things that they've already created and they have to remove the whole aspect of freedom, which was kind of given to the people of the United States for their help in defining a separate country because these people at the head of this Hydra, they're a continuous warfare with each other. They're always struggling against power and control against each other, whether it's the, the black nobility against the British royal nobility, whether it's the corporatist against the globalist, whether it's the nation state rulers against the globalist, there's always right. warfare. And what's happening in the Middle East right now is nothing more than a larger extension of exactly this. The BRICS nations are getting way too powerful. The Western global order is crumbling. And so they're going to create strife within the Middle East to reset the clock, to basically provide distractions, to take back over the news and the media, to kill off as many people as they need, and to disrupt the new Silk Road that was being developed by the BRICS nations because the Middle East is a center point for this. And most likely what you're going to see is probably some type of engagement with Iran, which is going to escalate into a, uh, a Middle Eastern war that potentially could move to world war if that came about from that point. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's there's a lot of history in all this. And I know I just summarized that in a good five minutes. But right. 
Everything that we're talking about here is directly related to this. And so, yes, these people, uh, you got the Kazarian Mafia, you have the Hisakos kings, you have the Phoenicians. Um, and this is thousands upon thousands of years ago that these groups basically evolved. And the Kazarians really evolved more during the Ottoman Empire. And this was just another derivation of the Hisakos and the Phoenicians. So right. th- that was more of a recent thing. But then they, uh, they, they came back up in the early 1800s with the rise of the Communist Manifesto, Karl Marx, which was just a cousin to the Rothschilds by marriage. And then you had the European Socialist Revolutions in the 1850s, which were completely funded by the Rothschild family. Right. And you know, then you go into the, the whole Nazi thing, the Civil War. All of this is directly related to these families and these peoples basically playing chess with the world and with people. And it's no right. different right now. And people can call me an anti-Semite. I'm absolutely not anti-Semitic. My, my, my great-grandma was Jewish. Uh, she, she, helped, she helped the Jews escape from Notre Dame. Right. Out of German occupation. She helped run the Underground Railroads. Absolutely not am I that person. But those terms were created specifically to target people from learning the truth. Because the moment you get closer and closer and closer, you're labeled an anti-Semite. The ADL comes after you. And then you're, you're, you're destroyed if you have a political power. And this is the tactics they utilize. It's psychological warfare tactics that they utilize. But you know what? We will not stand down on this because this is the truth. And here's the thing is innocent Palestinians are dying and innocent Israelis are dying. Yes, I'm here. I'm here. Innocent Palestinians are dying and innocent Israelis are dying in this conflict. That is nothing more than a power grab. I lose everybody. Bob, can you jump in and, and talk to Jim there? Okay, Jim, go ahead and mute. Okay, good. Uh, All right. But so what we're seeing here right now is innocent Palestinians and innocent Israelis dying at the helm of a world power that is trying to regain control of its position. And it's going to utilize holy warfare to do that. And I want everybody to be warned. And you need to see this for what it is. Okay. The Israeli people, the Hebrew people are beautiful people. The Palestinian people are beautiful people. Just because they have a difference in understanding of what our religion is doesn't make them bad or evil. There's so much propaganda out there, you have to be able to sift through the garbage to find the truth. We'll be right back with more Dark Delight Show after this. Dark Delight on the WYSL stations. Uh, having some connectivity issues, so we're getting him to reconnect. It looks like Jim Jordan just lost, I think, the third vote. Um, and so I guess they're going to go for a fourth vote. They'll probably be this afternoon. We have Joe Biden in Israel right now. He met with Netanyahu earlier. Um, I was concerned, as well okay. as many others, that, that potentially could have been the place that Joe Biden met his demise. Who knows? It potentially could still happen. Um, I think that that would help to escalate their greater war and probably solve a lot of problems for the liberal left and the deep state out here in the United States of America. Jim Price, do we have you back? No, I heard him for a second. Well, I thought we had him. But now we're seeing is 
hostility rising in America. We're having all pro-Palestinian protests happening all throughout the country, including even the White House and Congress. Um, And these could easily turn violent because, well, they're most likely being funded by George Soros. And they throw a whole bunch of bad actors in there, which uh, get tempers and emotions flaring. And the next thing you know, people are burning stuff down. This is what we actually saw throughout the countries of Jordan and Turkey and Egypt last night um, and Lebanon of American and Israeli embassies set on fire. And this came about through the uh, through the news of Israel bombing a Hamas hospital. Now, what's interesting about this is that Israel IDF came out and said they did not bomb the hospital. This was not us. It was a Hamas rocket. Uh, And then the IDF provided a video of this. Well, the video is from August 2020. So unfortunately, that doesn't work. Uh, This is the same hospital that Israel said that they were going to bomb earlier that day and told people to evacuate. Um, And then uh, Hamas, we can see from various videos, was having rockets launched from a far way away in the opposite direction. And you actually see some type of plane in the sky over the hospital before the bombs dropped. Now, did Israel drop a bomb on that hospital? I don't know. Um, did Hamas have a rogue rocket that created that explosion? No, absolutely not. Their rockets don't produce explosions of that magnitude. That would be some type of bomb. So what is the truth? I don't know because there's too much psychological warfare and disinformation out there. But the one thing that this event has done is it has formulated the mass protest around the world, which could eventually turn violent and disastrous for those countries that those protests are happening in. Basically, they've emotionalized the Palestinian people around the world to when you have calls for days of rage and jihad, now these things are actually going to start happening because of the outrage within the Palestinian communities. And see, this is how psychological warfare operates. They confuse the masses with atrocious loss of life and crimes against humanity. And it doesn't matter who did it or who didn't do it. They just control the flow of information on both sides and allow the confusion to ensue. And then people react emotionally. And this is how basically you're going to get these violent protests that come about. And I'm warning you right now, and the threat level is high in the United States, is be on the lookout, be vigilant. You are most likely going to see a whole bunch of of violence come about from what's happening right now between Israel and Palestine in the United States of America and throughout the world. So if you're traveling, if you're going to large population centers where there's okay. large groups of people or whatever, I want you to be incredibly vigilant. Jim Price, how are we doing? Doing good. Hope you guys can hear me now. I had to try a different outlet, so I don't know what happened there. It's kind of weird. All right. You still there? Yep, I'm here, Jim. How are you doing? Okay, okay. Hey, doing good, buddy. Um, well, I, I don't. I missed a bunch of stuff while I was gone. And I apologize for that. Uh, did you? Did you go? I mean, I, I just want to go back to the idea that I know we're doing all this, and you explained so many things in detail. But at the end of the day, the stuff that we talked about in Ukraine, all the stuff that we're seeing there, and the wrong people we think we're fighting or Russia's fighting, aren't we just falling back to the exact same Israel-based political arm that was in Ukraine is now? in the Middle East or with Israel? Isn't this all, it's all the same people. We're just moving the battlefield, correct? Yeah, it, it really is. Yeah, that's that's where, I, again, that's like the Chinese Communist Party. We, we have the Chinese Communist Party, which is the Chinese Communist Party. It's not the Chinese people that we see as ruling China. And again, when we talk about 
the CCP. We're not talking about, again, another country. And, then, and it's we got to get away from doing this religious boundary thing where we think, oh, is it's always the it's a religious this, religious that. you got to stand with, with Jews. And I, I understand that's what we want to do. But golly, we've got to be careful what we get ourselves behind. Absolutely. Uh, well, Jim, I'm glad you're back on. So what are your thoughts yeah. on what's happening right now in the world? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's actually – this is all the shiny object stuff that we are getting ourselves wrapped around. I don't know why we didn't learn anything from COVID. I don't know why we haven't learned anything from the 2020 election. Or you know the the midterm elections that we're doing now, or the elections that happened last year, we keep acting like this is all brand new stuff. And this, oh well, this thing in in Israel. I mean, I t- I think we talked about this yesterday uh, on the uh, other show we were on. It's like how many how many times a year that you hear something's going on in in the Gaza Strip with Israel, with this or that. It's you know twenty thirty times a year they're having a skirmish. So is this just another skirmish that this is the one we want to pay attention to because? Iraq is or I, um, Ukraine is winding down, but at the same time, it's all this political stuff that has nothing to do with the actual people on the ground, and they're going to be the victims. The innocents among us will be the victims of this whole thing, mm-hmm. and the shiny objects. We don't. And I, by the way, I'll ask a question: If you're Secret Service, if you're Secret Service, you're going to take the president of the United States to a war, you know, a war zone called Israel? That doesn't even begin to make sense. That tells you that there is no threat. There's there's no threat there. If he could just walk around Israel and do whatever he's doing and nobody cares, come on. I thought I thought it was being all torn apart. See, they don't doesn't make sense. If Israel's falling apart and this is going to be the new battlefield, and supposedly three hundred thousand people are lined up at the border to go fight in Israel, then why would a president go there? And what would be the security implications of trying to secure a zone for that guy? It doesn't make sense unless either he's not the guy or the war isn't that much. So we either. Either Biden isn't who he says he is as president of the United States, or there is not as much damage and devastation really going on in Israel, so the threat is not that big, so he can walk in there. You gotta, you gotta find which one is it. Which well, one is it going to be? I think that there's, I think that there's parts of Israel that are incredibly secure. You got to remember, Israel is a, is not a large place, but it is a small state, like in the United right. States. So there is a lot of mileage in Tel Aviv and and so forth, or Jerusalem, wherever they're meeting. I believe they're meeting in Tel Aviv, um, is pretty far distance from Gaza to where they would be relatively safe, unless there was some type of drone or aerial strike from Lebanon or Syria that was incurred on them. Um, right. Whereas Blinken and I think the German Chancellor, they they met more towards uh, um, towards the Gaza area. Um, but you know, listen, this whole Joe Biden nonsense is not president. This this has got to stop. Um, yes, he was elected uh, illegally. We know this. We know that they stole the election. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we we know that uh, he was inaugurated. So he he went through the process of the Twentieth Amendment. Um, he basically, if we look at the constitutional process of the states actually casting their votes, there's a lot of questionability with what happened on January 6th. Either way, he is recognized as the president of the United States. Um, if we look at the name on the executive orders that says Joe Biden, um, if we look at those executive orders being implemented as policy, that's happening right now. That's why we have 
millions of people coming over our border. That's why we have no border wall being built from Donald Trump's presidency. If we look at the state of our military, which is in degradation, um, Donald Trump is definitely not in control of that. If we look at the billions of dollars flowing out of the United States taxpayers' hands and into Ukraine and Israel and all these other countries, that is the doing of Joe Biden and his administration. Although the guy might not look like he looked like 30 years ago or 20 years ago or 10 years ago, Whoever it is, the name is Joe Biden, and it doesn't matter that this is the deep state character, and this person has this helm of power um, in the United States, and he's most likely being controlled by other puppet puppet oligarchies, and that's completely understandable because that's how it works at that level. But, um, you know, this... I, I keep on hearing that, oh, Trump's still in control or Trump's still – and I'm not saying you're doing that, Jim. But, you know, yeah. Trump's still in control no, no. and Trump's still president and Trump's still commander-in-chief. It's nonsense, people. It's absolute nonsense. If Donald Trump was still in charge at some level or degree, our country would not be in the peril that is in right now. And people would be like, well, it's optics, man. You got you know, you to show the people the truth. And, oh, yeah, trust me, I know that whole git. But at the end of the day, Donald Trump would not degrade our military to the level that it has been degraded. Right. Okay, it would not happen if he was commander in chief, and you cannot be commander in chief unless you are president, because they are coinciding positions, uh, contrary to what other people say. And to be commander in chief, there is various responsibilities you have, but it also takes a written act of Congress in order for that to be validated during a time of war. In order for Donald Trump to be commander in chief, there has to be a declaration of war. A declaration of war has to be passed by Congress. And people don't think about these things because a lot of the people out there perpetuating this garbage, they have no clue what they're talking about. And they're just uh, they're, they're either too stupid to realize or they're grifting off of people because it's a good story that gives people hope. At the end of the day, our country is in complete peril and it is up to you and me to rise up and save it. All right, guys. Much love, respect. God bless you guys. You guys have a great day. We'll talk to you here soon. Have a good one. See you guys.